as well. All right. So with that being said, welcome to episode 128 of SEO this week. My name is Clint Butler. I am the head of SEO over the top SEO.com. I am joined by my good friend and pal, Ted Kovitis. He is the head of the SEO tool, Cora, um, and the site is seotoollabs.com. He also sponsors SEO this week, which is awesome. Uh, I appreciate that, Ted. <laughs> You're welcome. It's um, like the best show on, on the YouTubes. Uh, second best. <laughs> we got, you know, SEO fights out my favorite one. I know that crap. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, uh, you got uh, kind of quiet on my end. Uh, can somebody in the audience answer, is Clint loud enough? Yeah, good question. Am I loud enough? I had to turn my head away from the microphone, so it might have been the pickup. Oh, I guess uh, maybe a little louder. I concur. All right, I'm going to turn up the gain on this bad boy. Let's see. How's that? Yeah, there we go. Yay. That's good. It helps out for the podcast too. Make sure everyone can hear me. <coughs> sort of downsides. I talk quiet all the time. So, all right. So, I'm going to get this out of my way. It's a picture of my big ugly face. I get Ted here and I'm going to share the screen now. Also, into the first, we haven't shared screen and stream through Zoom. So, hopefully, this works. Oh. Maybe down a notch, you're distorting just a hair. Oh, man. That's what happens when we, I talk into the mic. We need to get you a tube mic compressor, a preamp, <laughs> and then that way it'll normalize. It'll make your quiets louder and your louds softer. Yeah. Okay, can you guys see my browser now? Yep. Sweet. I want to check one more thing just because we're on here. Yep. There we go. Uh, OBS, Zoom versus OBS. That's a good question, James. Uh, we went, Ted uses OBS. I use Wirecast. And the downside is how do we pull in the guest um, and then pushed it through OBS we can do it with Skype, but now you're pushing out and pushing in and you're going to burn up your bandwidth, uh, which will cause for crappy video. Hopefully this method actually makes the video a lot clearer, which will help when Ted's sharing things like spreadsheets and all that madness where I do that for, you know, for the heck of it, uh, this will clear all that out. Uh, and make everything the video better and plus we can bring as many guests as we want because they all just call me on the zoom and we're essentially using zoom's bandwidth for everything so that makes it really cool all right so here we go episode 128 seo this week we're talking about some maverick update uh, link building and content marketing as always, I'll just go ahead and start with the update here. And it says it's slowing down. Supposedly, this update started around the 11th or 12th of July. Uh, and then there's more stories of it pushing through in the 16th. And then now on the 18th, it's still fluctuating. Excuse me, I'm going to go kill a puppy. Yeah, and in support of whatever Google's doing, the fact that they are doing something, uh, I'm seeing indexing issues on new testing, and that's very common when an update rolls out. So the fact that even as of yesterday, I'm seeing indexing issues means we're not out of it yet. Yeah. I don't know that it's been significant, though. I haven't seen a whole lot of people, like there's people you know, following these, these algo graphs thing here, and they're saying that there's an update, which I get. Okay, I've seen it, but... I haven't actually seen people say, hey, I've been beat up by it or I've got up or down. Uh, none of our sites, none of our client sites have, have taken anything. We had one pattern where one site was um, dropped, like a, an average of one position. Um, but we also did a site brand relaunch. So, Well, I, I do a, 
a lot of submitting websites. So in the past week, I've probably submitted 47 new websites for indexing. Uh And there was a half day uh, earlier this week where I could not submit anything uh, through Google Search Console. And it wasn't because I hit a limit. It's like at the start of the day, hadn't submitted anything. They had an outage. And and later that day, they were processing new uh, submissions for fetch and render right. and request indexing. Um, and so, you know, they they clearly had something going on. So I, I, I think that uh, seeing fluctuations in the rankings is, you know, that's one way to find out something's there, but it's not the only way. I think you got to look at... Uh, indexing issues and actual outages of services on Google's end as well. Yeah. Well, it, in, well I, I won't say in anyone's defense, but if you assume <laughs> that there's nothing going on, Google did break indexing for what a good month when they're yep. tr- trying to turn on the new search console. So I guess you can see that could could theoretically say hey ted that's not proof because look here's what happened before so well they were making changes and they broke indexing so broken indexing to me could be evidence of google making changes yeah so i i'd argue that if uh if services are disabled, if indexing is crippled, or if rankings are in large-scale fluctuation, those are all signs of Google making changes. Yeah. We're just playing with things and breaking them, i.e. Google Maps. They destroyed Maps right now. So, Cool. So if you guys got hit by an update, we would like to know... Again, I haven't. I can't provide any information as to what was did, but uh, frankly, I don't. I haven't seen any proof that it was done. Dwayne Armstrong uh, in the YouTube he says CC Carter uh, says Maverick was most likely an HTML update for mobile, um, possible. Uh, so we'll see how that works out. Uh, as the point to while we're on Zoom now, Google Webmasters is Hangouts is moving off uh, YouTube Hangouts to Hangouts Meet. That's what they're going to call it, Hangouts Meet. Uh, one of the things I didn't know is Hangouts Meet to be part of G Suite. So unless you have a G Suite account, you can't leverage it, uh, which is kind of silly to me. Um, I, I guess if they want to get into the uh, old GoToMeeting Zoom competitor thing, then I guess that would uh, kind of make sense. Uh, if I was John, I would be leveraging YouTube live and, and live streaming that way. So you can keep up with his audience, but maybe that just kind of tells you what Google thinks about these webmaster hangouts. Um, we'll answer questions. Sure. But we're not going to do them live and now we can edit them and make sure that nothing happens or nothing is said that we don't want to go out. Uh, I don't think John has had a history of doing that, but it seems odd that they wouldn't leverage YouTube live versus uh this new g suite hangouts meet uh tool so it is what it is i guess yeah it's a weird uh level of control they're adding in yeah i don't i don't get it and also if you're going to force everyone to go over g suite as you guys all know is a paid platform so why not tie it in so that you can do the hangouts meet live on youtube that seems like a good added value bonus for your your paying customer base. Yeah. Um, and clearly no one's thought of that because John has to record the shows and then upload them to the YouTube channel now versus uh, a live show. So. Well, the, the con of, of editing is it takes so much time to edit. You know, the pro of editing the video is that the videos can be shorter and more concise by a great deal. Yeah. Uh, but then again, the negative is is you don't know if you're missing information because it's yeah. not a live show. Yeah, did he answer? Or is there some cool question that he answered to someone who was lucky on to get onto the live version? So it's interesting. Uh, this one is on growcode.com is eight effective link building strategies for e-commerce SEO is by Matthew Woodward. Really good piece of content. Um, typically he writes good stuff anyway. So I thought everyone would enjoy it. Not really a whole lot of stuff in here though. 
coming unless you're deep into um, or you're not you're just coming into e-commerce and seo in general then maybe you know some of this stuff but uh, two of the features that he always does and kind of talks more in depth on his own site is stealing competitors backlinks which is basically going out finding what they are and then getting some more of the same another one that i like is newsjacking um, and if you can leverage that it is really cool the downside of newsjacking is that one you might have to take a position that could get you some social heat uh, but if you're not worried about the social justice warriors then go for it and go to town let me let me stop you for a minute are we supposed to be seeing the uh, seo this week page still oh it's not switching over yeah it didn't switch Son of a... stop share it's gonna make me share the whole window Yeah, it's going to make me share the whole window. That's right. No big deal. There we go. That just means that I can do this. Should be a lot bigger now. There. Now I know that for the future, I can make these bigger. Everyone can actually read them. <clears throat> so anyway, so newsjacking, you find out what it's in the news, popular topics. If you're doing local, you can talk about local Big deal. Oh, we're whatever. not seeing the article. We're seeing your window of your YouTube page. <laughs> so we see the car now, your desktop. That's my next car, by the way. There we go. News jacking number eight. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Okay. Now I don't even know what I was talking about. I don't care. Screw news jacking. Doesn't work. So anyway, uh, if there's a there's a book on the on Amazon talking about how to leverage the news and how to, to jack the news and the topics, because as you know, reporters these days are not very good at checking their sources and you can kind of play into those, play into that fact and get some press out of that. It's a great um, way to leverage uh, PRs and public relations models for link building. Uh, newsjacking is in so much as the same way as you can find topics that are trending in, their, in your highlights. It works better on a national scale than a local, but it's still possible on a local. And just create content about it, and that content will then in turn get shared because it's a popular thing. If you're lucky enough to have like a Google News included site, uh, this is also a great way to to jump on traffic, especially if you're doing stuff like AdSense or any of those other um, paid advertising programs on your on your on your website. Uh, newsjacking is wonderful for that. I like it for local because if you're good enough, you can get some exposure for your clients uh, by following on the on the news and 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 trends in those areas it's a little bit easier if you teach your clients to look out for this kind of stuff and then write about it um, one because they are the ones you're going to have to stand up and, and say uh, why they agree to this because again the social justice warriors justice warriors are out there and they will hammer a business if they disagree with them um, so they got to be prepared for that and if you let your teach your clients this one link building technique, you'll find that it's actually pretty good. Uh, plus it gives you some more stuff to, to send content to you and build link uh, supporting content uh, and internal linking, et cetera, uh, and get some traffic that may or may not have otherwise come to the website. So uh, Ted, have you ever tried Newsjack? Uh, I have not. Uh, but it reminds me of that other method where people use those services to iframe around an article and to put in an ad or a call to action like above the article. And then you send out that iframed link into like the Facebook group saying, here, check out this story. And yeah. so I, I would imagine a combination of methods like that would be quite effective at both getting backlinks and traffic. Yeah. That method you mentioned, that's, that's really old. Um, like zero bounce, I think is one of the tools that does that. And there's a few other ones They come in and out of favor. If you ever see anyone talking about 
steal uh, the website's authority. Typically, what we're talking about is what Ted just described there, just iframing the site and, and passing off as um, that link is yours. Doesn't, in my opinion, that doesn't really work well for link building, but you can get a, an injection of traffic, uh, at least to your domain using that. I, I don't really leverage those all that often. Um, the, the best leverage of those is, let's say you're doing affiliate, you find a news article in a newsjacking thing, you set up what Ted talked about, uh, and then you set up a exit redirect. So as they're finished reading the story, they go into the exit and the software switches them over to your affiliate offer. Um, that works okay. Uh, the conversion rate is low, but it's it's traffic that you're kind of leveraging based off of what the story is. So um, in order for that to work, you have to have a way to push traffic to the link you just created. Uh, and or you know ie through a social uh, platform or paid so that's one of the um, one of the downsides is you're paying to get that traffic going uh, up there to it and then you're hoping for a conversion rate based off of what's essentially cold traffic uh, because they are never expecting to end up on that landing page anyway that sales landing page so that is what that is uh, supercharger newsroom. If you don't know, I also have a master's degree in public relations. And one of the things that we talk about, especially with clients, is setting up a newsroom, a newsroom on their website. So uh, you can go to like Google and go look for Google's newsroom or uh, American Airlines. They have a newsroom. Most big businesses have a newsroom. And basically what it is, it's a place for you to publish your, uh, your press releases. Um, in the, uh, there's a couple of ways to do it, but basically what we do is we'll set up the newsroom, we'll publish the press release on the website, and then we'll send out the PR, which is a modified version of the original press release that links to the press release on the, uh, in the newsroom. And that newsroom press release links to the page that we're trying to rank. The beauty of that is I get to collect all that power to one page in the newsroom and that links and sends the ranking power to the internal page that I want the money page. Um, and now you don't know why I'm ranking because I've kind of hidden uh, that, that link flow. So it's really cool when you think about it in the PR perspective and the SEO perspective and you combine it. Now uh, it's just now getting popular inside of SEO circles. As you can see, that's why this was, the just presentation was just given at MozCon. Um, and I guarantee you is most of the people that they're there still won't do it because they are anti-press release because press releases are crappy links and they're bad for you and you shouldn't do them, which could be nothing more further from the truth. They're great if they're used in the right way. Uh, so I suggest you check this out. And it just kind of tells you why you should be doing the campaigns um, and then kind of, you know, some outreaching that you can do if you want to, if you want to go to this level is finding people who journalists in particular who write about your niche. You don't have to use a service to get your PR out, uh, and then, you know, start making those relationships. And every time you publish a, publish a PR, send an email out to all your relationships, say, Hey, we just did this. Uh, and then they may or may not write about it. And you essentially get a free press release, uh, just based off your relationships. I will tell you that relationship building for PR is a pain in the ass and it takes a long time. Uh, journalists just don't write about anything um, that's kind of force fed to them. They got to want to write about it. And that's kind of, so you got to look using tools like Harrow and there's a couple other ones uh, that'll help you find journalists who are doing topics. Um, but for the most part in local, this that, that method does work because local stations are always dying for local news. Uh, and your press release on your local business just might fit that thing. Uh, and you can really kind of skip this part here too. Now just the, the main thing I want you to take away is that you can use these newsrooms for internal link building. So if you're like trying to rank a page, let's see, Tucson SEO is the one that we're doing right now is Tucson SEO. Um, and you don't have any links to it, you create a newsroom and then you do some press releases about uh, activities that you did in Tucson, for example. Write those up, put them in your newsroom, and then have your PR guys write press releases for each one of those. 
and syndicate those. Typically, depending on this resource you're using, you're looking at 150 to 400 different backlinks to each one of those pages, all pushing the newsroom uh, articles that are all linked now to your new Tucson SEO page. Uh, and when someone looks at it, in particular Google, um, you're not you're you're not necessarily hiding your links but it's a little bit harder for anyone to figure it out and a lot of times when you go through and you're looking at uh, your competition you're saying i don't see how they're ranking uh, typically the first place i would look is the internal link building uh, and the internal link building and passing through juice through other pages is getting really really good um, google is doing a good job in my opinion, of finding the relevancy in those internal links and giving you the amount of credit that you need. And you can just play with that a little bit, um, building a few links versus going full bore all out anymore. So try out the DR, the digital PR newsroom. I think it would be a, a good, a good thing for you, especially if you're doing PRs, but you're having a hard time finding supplemental content. So this is a, I wanted to show this off because this is a new uh, search engine. It's supposed to be private. I guess what it's doing is missing out a lot of the tracking, uh, et cetera. It's called startpage.com. When you're leveraging it, it's using Google's uh, search results. Uh, let's see here. No personal storage, no filter bubble, et cetera. I thought I would, this would be a good opportunity to do something for, uh, you know, like finding indexing. Since they're using Google search results, why not push through and see one if indexing or rank tracking, uh, and then you don't have to worry about punishing uh, your Google logins or your Google stuff. But as you can see here, um, SEO, these are not exact. So if you go in Tucson SEO pros, and then if we go to Google, uh, there you go, Tucson SEO. So the search results aren't exact. And I thought maybe what we were looking at is that it was like Google was giving them search results, but giving them old ones. So I wanted to look around here, and I haven't done this yet, so you guys are seeing <coughs> it with me. Uh, if these are old, that digital ear post should be here or in page nine. Well, their uh, syndicated search uses a uh, different set of search appliances than Google proper. Yeah. Because it's limited feature set. So if it's using the uh, custom search APIs, uh, then it's, it's going to be different. Also, if they're proxying, then it's going to have a different physical location and different hardware spec, different internet connection speed. There's a number of things that could lead to the results being different. It would change it, yeah. It, could, it is without tracking, so it's eliminating the personalization. So maybe that could be an issue too. But I know that a lot of people have searched for this term for me from anywhere from India to Washington, D.C., and I'm pretty much sitting there the same. So um, anyway, I think I thought it was interesting uh, that someone else tried to do it. Uh, what is it? Duck, duck goes. They, they, they're doing it, and there's a couple other ones too. Uh, I don't think that they'll ever compete with Google uh, in traffic, uh, but it is an alternative, I guess. Uh, yeah. Google ads are still in here. My guess is these are probably all now AdSense ads for Google. <laughs> there, there are about you know 15 or so safe search uh, vendors out there that uh, you know do some sort of anonymization or scanning for bad things or uh parental control type capabilities you know there's there's a number of them out there yeah. uh, let's see search engine watch five biggest misconceptions about page rank this is a pretty cool article um just i to me this was a let's send this to your um your clients if they are educated enough to know what page rank is uh, and you can help answer a few of the questions with the information that is in here. Um, and then also it talks about a couple of resources that kind of try to emulate PageRank. 
uh, and mainly being Ahrefs. And in this case, SEO Power Suite's uh, website auditor, they have InRank. Uh, it does the same thing. Uh, they do admit in the article that there's no way to actually be 100% sure that, you know, this is exactly what your page rank is because they don't know all the information that Google's doing, but that is their, their best educated guess based off of what they know. So I think it's pretty interesting to, to see that, especially if you're dealing with someone who's like, well, I want to go buy some DA50 web, you know, backlinks. How come you're not buying those DA50 backlinks? You can kind of hand them this article and be like, well, because that might necessarily not be what's right for your, your market. And here's what the meaning of those, um, uh your metrics url metrics are so um, pretty good article i think written by those guys next one is search engine journal and this is a new if you guys have known they did a uh, google the little blue haired guy or whatever green haired guy he did a, uh, a video series on javascript seo and i finally published a guide to it you can find the link right here i also put the link on the in the article on digital ears, you just kind of go straight to it uh, if you want to and, and see what they have to say. Most of it is pretty much repetitive, you know, unique titles, HTTP status codes and lazy loading. Um, but it gets a little bit more detailed uh, than, than this inside of the guide. So check that out. And I think you'll find that useful. Uh, CLX, five things we learned from experiments. This is, uh, if you don't know, CLX is a, is conversion XL, uh, CXL, Jesus, conversionxl.com. It is a, uh, a site dedicated to conversion rate optimization. It's really cool and really informative. Uh, and I saved this from last week since I missed it. Um, one in five experiences getting significant and agencies are getting better results, which is really cool. Uh, to see the agencies are actually testing more with conversion rate optimization. A-B testing is the uh, most popular still and most popular because it's probably the easiest to do, uh, especially when you're talking doing um, multiple, multiple vari uh, is, is a little bit harder uh, for, for most people. And A-B is just a lot easier to, to leverage and it's the fastest test possible to set up. Uh, and then multiple goals. Let's see. And this one was interesting. Personalization is used in less than 1% of experiments. I find that, Ted, I don't know about you. How, for e-com, did personalization, I don't know if you guys even tried it, did personalization help with your conversion rates? Um, you know, it, it, it does in the sense that if you can show people things they buy frequently, that that's going to help your sales. If you can show people themes that they typically purchase, like if someone is constantly buying cat-themed apparel, then show them cat-themed apparel. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, you know, I'd, I'd say to a certain extent, but not all customers shop that way. Like somebody that's constantly buying gifts for others, their patterns aren't going to make as much sense as somebody that's buying things that they always like themselves. And uh, the number one thing I've noticed on, on e-commerce is that typically the things that are going to sell best in the future are the things you promote the most. <laughs> so usually past sales aren't predictive of future sales because of that effect. Uh -huh. hmm, that's interesting. That might explain why personalization doesn't, isn't being tested as much. To me, I think there's an opportunity there. It's just, it's so hard when you're mixing personalization with SEO is how do you uh, set up the base and what kind of technology you can use to set up your base piece of content that Google's going to rank and then be able to throw personalization in as someone comes. So um, definitely it's worthwhile, <clears throat> in my opinion, worthwhile, at least a test uh, right now. Um, and then they did mention some AI optimization segments. We might want to read into that if you're into that sort of thing. There's a bunch of more in here. Um, actually, I lied, there's not. Uh, and learning from these experiments without lists aren't free. Uh, this is just talking about the impact and making sure that, you know, you learn from your mistakes and you can find out what your winners are. 61% winners is actually pretty good in my book. Um, I'll take that any day of the week if it's meant, especially if it's A-B testing, you can just play around with it and, and see how it goes. We did that with over-the-top SEO. 
um, a lot of AB testing and then came up with a new design and now we're just getting killer leads from it. Um, and then the design we have to do deployment. So I think it's pretty good. Yeah, the thing with uh, AB testing is you gotta be careful about how you set them up. Like I've seen people uh, who are trying to test two versions of a web page. So they send all the traffic to page A and then set up and optimizely to redirect half to page B. But what they were actually testing there is what converts better, one load time or two load times. <laughs> and so you, you got to be mindful that you're not doing something stupid with it. Yeah. I think the easiest, if you guys aren't into CRO, the easiest one to try is figuring out a way to A-B test your title tags. Uh, that would be uh, really good. Kyle gave a, a good one. Maybe I'll have to get him to do it or teach everyone is uh, on SERP Turkey. Uh, you can A-B test your title tags there. Uh, I used to A-B test title tags on Twitter when I had thousands of accounts and just to see which ones got the most click-throughs based off of Twitter, and that's what was my title tag. Um, and then there's some other platforms that help you do that dynamically on the website too. Well, and if your uh, platform allows you to do it, you have these backend SKUs for the products you fulfill, but you have these virtual products that you put into your store. So load the same SKU as three different products with three different titles, three different descriptions, and see which one ranks best and then discontinue the losers. Makes sense. So you can you can do a lot of that if you have an e-commerce thing just with your platform. Yeah. So, so at the end of the day, if you're not doing a CRO, figure out some way to do it. Google Optimize is actually free uh, to use Google Optimize. I'm sorry. And you can play with different versions of your website and it'll serve up both versions and et cetera, but leave the base one for SEO. Uh, there. So I would go ahead and just, there's, at this point, there's no excuse not to be testing at least something. Uh, so try that out. And if you're uh, doing an end runaround on your engineers and doing web development with AB testing harnesses, you are crazy. Stop doing that at <laughs> once. It is not load bearing. <laughs> Speaking from a developer, do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this one's a good age-old question. Video content versus blog content and why you would want to do one or the other or maybe even leveraging both. SEO this week is pretty much, it's leveraging both, but it's primarily a video-based platform or audio if you listen to the podcast. And there are pros and cons of doing that at the same level as with blog content. For me, I have... I started out on doing blog content and I just got tired of writing. Uh, I'm not an avid reader, so that kind of coincides. If I'm not reading as much, it's harder for me to write. Um, but it's always been easy for me to get on to video and just, you know, knowledge vomit all over everyone, whether it was good or not. <laughs> and, it, and, and to me, it was just faster to plug it in and just go, especially with, you know, YouTube Live and all the platforms. Um, so I think this is something that you guys need to look at for sure and kind of get away from the norm of what your market is. So if your market is always um, doing blog com content, you want to set yourself out from everyone else because it's hard to stand out with blog content, especially if you know the standard nowadays is unique, high-quality content. Well, high-quality to me is one thing, that is, and it's a different thing to Ted. Uh, and that's the same with your users and readers. And if you're promoting yourself in a video format, I think it's uh, much better and it's easier to reach a, a group of people who are always looking at blog stuff when you can throw out a video and tell you're the new uh, flavor of the month. So um, I will look out at these, these two forms. There are some things in here uh, that talk about the pros and cons. Uh, pretty good. Again, YouTube Live, that pops right into Google and it gets higher search rankings. Um, and there's the CRO numbers that say video converts better. Um, the likelihood of going viral, I'm sorry, is probably pretty low, uh, especially if you're dealing with a marketing thing, unless you're really stupid creative and you get really stupid lucky. Um, so, but you know, there are some drawbacks as you can see just on today's show, the technical 
Um, it's not as simple as you know opening up a new post. You gotta plug in and find out how you're gonna you know do the um, the the streaming. Are you gonna go live? Are you gonna do editing afterwards? You want to play with green screen like I do and like Ted's starting to do now with his fake mountain Mount Rainier behind him. Um, you know. Well, the uh, uh, you know the thing to 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 keep in mind with the viral part is yeah if you're expecting to get the huge viral quickly I mean that's that's a long shot probably never going to happen uh, but what people try to do with regular success is the slow viral so the you make a uh, a quality piece of content, you let people know about it, you keep improving it, you promote it a little, you consistently refer to it, you cross-link all your new posts to it, and you get this slow trend of accumulating traffic to it. And then if you repeat those successes, I mean, this is basically the uh, Backlinko and the Ahrefs blog approach is that you get these slow virals that add up over time. Yeah. And to, as a case in point, that's how Chase Rainier built his, his brand. Uh, if you guys, you know, a lot of people just think Chase popped up out of nowhere, but he has actually been doing hell. He was, there was a platform called Blab and he was doing live streams on Blab, helping people out. Uh, and then he moved over into YouTube and then I kind of carried over. Uh, his numbers to me are a little bit suspect. However, that's how he built his audience uh, and how he built a, uh, a guru status. Uh, so, um, you know, if you might not be looking for guru status, maybe you just want to help people and just get a little bit of extra traffic every, every week or month or whatever you plan on doing, or just converting some sales into something better, uh, then you should be leveraging video in my opinion. Here's another tip for you. If you're a blogger, you don't want to show your face, write your content out and then read your, um, your, your, your article. Um, just skip through. You can even skip through if you want to, or like if let's say that this was your article, you read this section, give a little bit of insights, go in here, read this section, give a little bit of insights. Uh, you never even have to show your face. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's really cool. And there's tools out there where you can just literally copy paste this article and put it in there and then you get the machine lady voice. If you want yeah, to do that. Don't, don't do that for the whole thing, but if you want to mix it up, like if it's just you and you don't have a co-host, uh, use the computer voice for the headings and the list items, but you do the talking points in between those. So you break it up and then it gets the feel of multiple people. Yeah. As we also did tip. That's great. So Check it out. Don't be afraid of video. I know I was when I first started and just kind of got to do it. All right, let's see. Right mix marketing. What time are we for time? We got 15 more minutes. Uh, why your content marketing strategy should include long form content. This is an interesting argument for always building out long form stuff. Now, if you follow like Brian Dean, he does those skyscraper articles, stupid long form. Um, but the other side of that, what a lot of people who talk about long form writing don't know is that Brian writes like one article a month uh, and then promotes it over and over and over and over again until he gets the traction that he wants. He doesn't just, you know, continue to write long form articles. Also, if you're using tools like uh, Pop, Page Optimizer Pro, Cora, uh, and then there's a few other ones, they compare the types of article length that Google's looking for inside of their search results. And long form is not always the right answer. Um, so you have to do a lot of keyword research and then figure out if long form content is actually what you need to do and if you're on the right track. This to me is if you're trying to rank for something in a more broad term content, uh, long form is probably the, the number one way to go. So if you're trying to rank for SEO, for example, you got a long time. It's going to take a long time. It's going to take you some really good content. It's going to take a lot of backlinks to leverage that off. And long form content will allow you to create an evergreen post. And it give you multiple headings that you can put heading IDs and create multiple sets of backlink strings to. Uh, and also it gives you a lot to expand on inside of your um, supporting pages as well. Uh, if you want to go that route. So are you daring to say that you don't need 25,000 words for Tallahassee faucet repair? 
Uh, yeah, I'm sure you probably just need 300. <laughs> I want to rank a page that says Tallahassee faucet repair, and that's it. Let's see what happens. <laughs> I wonder if Cora will let me. <laughs> no, you need this in headings. <laughs> um but yeah so just look at uh, this is again this is a good thing if you're having a, a hard time with a client or yourself if you're having this conversation with yourself where you don't want to write a long piece again you don't necessarily have to but if you do it gives you some more opportunities to do it of these tools to help for writing i've used evernote it's okay but uh, grammarly and hemingway are probably my two go tools go to tools right now it's grammarly number one well, that's on my browsers all the time. I need to plug yeah. it into Microsoft Office and Google Docs now, I believe. You know, the number one best writing tool I ever found was writing in a text editor that lets you play back with a text-to-speech engine. And then I would just highlight what I wrote, like a paragraph or two, and have it read back to me while I reread it. And just... That alone is an amazing way to go, oh, that's that's worded weird, or that didn't quite convey what I was trying to communicate. Just having it read back to you, even in a stupid computer voice, is an awesome editing tool. That's a good idea. I never even tried that. I do it the other way, where I'll come to an article like this, and let's say I wanted to write an article about long-form content, and I'd come to it and open up Dragon Dictate, and just reread these sections and create my own little piece uh, based off of what they had there. Now I have something for link building. Um, that's <laughs> so I've used a version of that. So that's that's pretty interesting. I have to try that out. All right. So this is the last one, and this is Ted's favorite person, is Rand Fishkin. He actually put out some good stuff in here. I don't know if you got to see this uh, Google presentation. It's on Google Docs. It's this presentation from MozCon. Uh, and there's some points in here that I didn't highlight, and I know I should have. Um, let's see here. I like all the numbers, the fancy graphs and everything. It was really cool. Uh, and then just talking about yeah, I, I don't really know Rand. I have spoken with him on a couple occasions, but that means I know him the same way that, you know, 25,000 other people know. <laughs> um, yeah, here's some obvious things. Uh, desktop and mobile, don't ignore both. Big investment in voice, probably too early. Other tactics you like to have a better ROI. This one is interesting to me because when voice search came out, uh rand was one of the people that was on the bandwagon and saying hey we need to optimize for this this is the next best thing it's, it's gonna go uh and he was echoing that for quite some time and i was always in the the band where you know that's all great but i have voice search tools around my house and typically all i ask is like questions and those questions are for the most part really not going to turn into conversions to me so screw voice uh and rand's kind of in the middle of that argument now where hey you should consider it but it's not the end all be all thing that everyone's talking about you know what i mean so well uh, i find no, that pretty nobody's ever gonna be comfortable standing out at the bus stop and voice searching the best home pregnancy test yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> only limited application yeah. how do i cure gonorrhea <laughs> you cure gonorrhea bye <laughs> that would be great i don't know. that's it <laughs> if you want to make a video go viral go to seattle get in the bus stop and talk about that <laughs> voice search uncomfortable topics yeah there you go uh let's see web-based video podcast and web solves continue to be excellent events excellent investments mobile apps not so much i don't know about this one uh, mobile apps may have had their heyday, but I think now there, a lot of the mobile apps were rinse repeat kind of things, like especially in the gaming markets, but they're still bringing in a lot of money. If you can come up with something new, uh, and leverage mobile apps, you're going to be a lot better. I will also point out that there was a platform called Zappable, which turned your website into mobile and those are okay. Um, but I wasn't really a fan of those and we never saw a lot of traffic. So we stopped using them. 
but again, it's an, it's an option if you want to just provide that opportunity for people. Yeah, the, you know, the thing that I see with mobile apps is they all kind of like access a website, but the general feature is that they give people offline access to your website content. Mm -hmm. So as long as your mobile app has, you know, unique content and gives people off, uh, offline access to it, it's probably a viable app. Yeah. Uh, and then there's one in here. I don't see it now. I should open the stupid thing up. Uh, but we're talking about zero click searches and how those are increasing uh, over time. And your screen's not blurry. The, the slide, the graphic is blurry. Uh, but they're saying that zero click searches are getting more pressure and then actual click throughs are, are getting a little bit less because Google's showing those zero clicks more and more. Um, Can you define what a zero-click search is? Uh, basically, if you're popping in, let's say, a knowledge graph or um, featured snippet, um, the zero-click idea is that Google is trying to show the information for your search, the answer for your search right inside of there, uh, right inside of the search results and not send traffic away from Google. Great for Google, sucks for you. Uh, but they are pointing out that zero clicks is getting more and more prevalent, but it's not too much. So if your market allows you to, you can answer those questions. And to me, really all you're going to get out of it is uh, increased branding, maybe, um, or more likely increased branding just because you're the one who's answering. Uh, and voice search does cite the source uh, when, it, when it's given. Uh, and two, if you set up and you figure out the featured snippets the right way, like steps one through 10, for example, and the featured snippets only show steps one through five, you're going to get some traffic through that. Uh, so there are traffic opportunities. I'm not saying that there are not traffic opportunities in zero click, uh, but to me, they're just a little bit harder to gain. But if you're, if you're in the top rankings without those uh, knowledge uh, panels, don't try to invoke them because you'll probably just take away traffic from your existing rankings. Yeah. I was zero click for page speed optimization service and I got, I got traffic, but I won't necessarily say I got more than when I was ranking uh, number one. So um, again, you just kind of have to play with it and see how it goes. Uh, how you want to do it. There's another stat in here, and I can't find the stupid thing uh, right now where he's talking about um, the amounts of clicks going from paid uh, versus organic. So if you have a client that's, that's you know, or someone who's you're trying to sell SEO to, uh, go in here, and the stat is oh, for eleven for every one click of PPC, eleven clicks are still going to organic. Uh, rankings and that's a really good stat to know and be able to, to toss out. Uh, it's also you really good if you're trying to upsell your PPC uh, client into SEO campaigns. Um, and just pointing that out to them is look, you're paying twenty thousand dollars right now a month in SEO. You're getting X amount of clips times that by eleven. That's what the potential might be for uh, organic. We should be leveraging organic. That's well, that's if you claim all of page one yeah <laughs> well you know i'm usually kind of playing with the words there obviously yeah. but you know there's the potential that's why i always say potential because um, in in ecom what we usually see is you cap out of organic potential but then the place where you can add dollars to keep the growth going is in paid yeah so it's kind of the opposite plus but, well you guys get you have a lot of the tools too i think you know, mobile app is more e-com. It plays off mobile better. AMP conversions, firing those things off helped a lot to you. Um, so when you're talking, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's from the, the, the web search thing. Yeah, and CTR, I think it's still uh, wide open. Um, but again, uh, since he's, this is all data, uh, it's not like his normal, Hey, I think, or I want, this is all data-based. It's actually a really good presentation. Uh, I saved it and I suggest you guys do too. Uh, and there's also a whole bunch of test fodder in there if you're building tests. So, uh, check that out. 
And that's it. That is the, the last one for SEO this week. So hope you appreciate those stories. Uh, I had to change the video, obviously, but I'll put all the links again back into the description after we're done with that. And I had a couple of questions for you, Ted. Uh, really one question in two different forms is what is a good resource to learn e-commerce SEO? Um, to learn it, I would say you want to look at the people that are doing it well. So when you go and look at a large online retailer, you can bet your ass they've invested a lot of money to make it perform. And you can benefit by their uh, investment by trying to learn what they know based on what they're executing with. Um, so definitely looking at the competition is the number one place to start to get a head start without having to spend that kind of money and time. And if you're looking for a few advanced SEO tips, I would suggest you watch uh, SEO Fight Club. I think Ted did like three or four episodes where he talked about some uh, stupidly advanced uh, on-page and off-page opportunities for e-com that will help you out significantly, I think. Uh, And just remember, e-com SEO, in my opinion, is fundamentally the same as any other SEO. Um, and, and knowing the basics and applying those to your e-commerce site uh, will significantly help out. Uh, and then you get into conversions and stuff. I think to me, Ted, I don't know, maybe you can talk to, on this a little bit more, but I think e-commerce is more of a requirement to know more technical SEO uh, than um, it, you know, structured SEO on page, et cetera. It can be, but it's also knowing Uh, multi-channel marketing. So you can't just limit it to SEO. And if you do your multi-channel marketing properly, it's no longer a game of getting to number one on Google. It's how much of page one can you dominate. Uh So for a given product, when I was doing SEO, we would want to take all of page one and half of page two. And there are still examples out there of uh, products I, I worked on that do this, where I could go into the, the Google search results and point out 15 links on page one between paid and organic that are all the same business. Right. And so it becomes that game. And then you try to escalate that. Like we would target about 25,000 keywords for this approach and we'd get about 50,000 of them performing like that by Black Friday. And, you know, it's it's a whole different game than just trying to get number one on page one. There's this whole level above and beyond that. So SEO starts at number one on Google, <laughs> the next level. Yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you very much, Ted, for being here as always. And everyone, I'd like to thank you for watching. This has been episode 128 of SEO This Week. I appreciate your patience with all the technical stuff, but we had to figure it out one way or another. So thanks for being our guinea pigs. And we will see you uh, tomorrow on SEO Fight Club, and where we're doing some site audits. And um, we're going over some survey data. Ooh, and some survey data. I think I'm more excited about the survey data. <laughs> that data is crazy. It is so crazy. It's the craziest survey data ever. And it was nice questions. <laughs> <laughs>